1: America welcomes you to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Now, here's the host and CEO of BR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz.
2: Good morning everybody. Happy Thursday. Today um, we're going to talk about Israel. And it's Israel matched with 3.0 communication. And the guest that I have, Baruch Cohen, met me through LinkedIn, so it's a good basis and a good foundation to talk about the subjects that we'll be addressing throughout the rest of the show. He's a killer litigator, he's an aggressive trial attorney, he's a motivational speaker, an ordained rabbi, and the defender of the State of Israel. Welcome, Baruch.
3: Good morning, Cindy. How are you?
2: It's, it's nice to hear you on the air.
3: Likewise. Thanks for having me.
2: It's a, it's a pleasure. Interesting, you know, when we set a context, for talking about your blog and all of that kind of stuff, how many people you really can find through social media, huh?
3: It's not only the initial round of people who join, but it's the secondary round. Every single time the blog members receive a pro-Israel article, they then reciprocate and then forward the articles to their people under the LinkedIn theory, you know, the friend of my friend of my friend. So by the end of the day, an article that I might circulate to, say, 500 people who are members of the blog then gets counter-distributed to thousands thereafter.
2: It, It really does. It's different from, you know, perhaps 10 to 15 years ago where you may have been in a different place in your life and you may have been killing yourself putting together articles for newspapers and hoping that they get published somewhere, being frustrated because they might not get published somewhere, and now really you could set your own agenda and publish your own stuff.
3: And the truth of the matter is it's a great point because anyone with Internet access can be as published as George Will from the Washington Post.
2: It's all about content, isn't it? Correct. It really is. And, when, you know, let's talk about this. You, first, let's set a context. You, um, you want to talk about your unique brand of scorched earth litigation. What
3: is that like? Uh, it's all about uh, representing clients aggressively and zealously. It's about not tolerating falsehood. It's about being uh, totally truthful and being dedicated towards being a fact finder and bringing the truth to the jury, bringing the truth to a court or a bench officer. When clients come to a lawyer who doesn't bother to take the time to understand a case, then they're wasting time and money. But if you understand the core nuggets of a case and you understand the thumbscrews of what will cause the other side to collapse, then you can save your client money by hitting hard and hitting aggressively and being uncompromising in one's quest to bring the truth to the court's attention. And it doesn't mean making enemies, and it doesn't mean being abrasive, it means being aggressive. And well, it being means knowing your stuff,
2: and it means knowing how to utilize theatrics to amplify your points. And a
3: lot of litigators, perhaps,
2: have missed that part of law school.
3: <laughs> you know, it's, it's, <laughs> trial work is very much theatrical, but it's also loyalty to truth. And the skills of putting a witness on the witness stand, and taking down their testimony on direct and then impeaching them by putting them on cross-examination under the scrutiny and asking the right questions and hearing how they avoid answering the questions and being mindful that others are watching and listening and how well you're being presented, that's the key to breaking the case and winning it for a client. Yes,
2: and and you say that you... There's an uncompromising commitment to truth and justice, and fighting relentlessly for the underdog—the David versus the
3: Goliath. Yes, many times the client feels overwhelmed by the overwhelming opposition. Sometimes it's much larger. It's the David versus the Goliath, and you know what? So what? You're a lawyer. You're on equal terms as the lawyer on the other side of the of, of the fence. And when you can build up a client and realize you have rights, you have defenses. You, ha- you have a position that has a legitimate point, and the court will bother to hear your position as well as they hear the other side. That's empowering, and that gives clients hope that they will have their day in justice, their day in court.
2: Well, let's talk Before we get into Israel, because you have the whole show to talk about Israel, and everybody knows you're here to talk about Israel today and how these skills and how your commitment to zealous advocacy and truth and justice is really about Israel for you particularly today. But are there any cases that you can use as an example or a precedent that might work as a metaphor in terms of who you have fought for and won for in the past that's public by now?
3: Well, um, without mentioning names, even though ultimately published opinions become public record, but without mentioning names and preserving the integrity of my clientele, I have had to take on the establishment. I had to file an aggressive motion to recuse a judge who had had a very, very insidious conflict of interest that was not disclosed to the parties. And what do you do when you're in such a situation? You run the risk of not wanting to you know, burn bridges, and you don't want to upset the status quo. But on the other hand, you have an obligation to your client. So sometimes you have to take aggressive, bold actions That that's the right thing to do, and you don't have to worry about what's politically correct or what people say this is the way things are. You know, if you and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but just think for a second. Imagine you're a lawyer appearing before a specific judge all the time and now suddenly you have to file a motion to recuse that judge, that takes an inordinate amount of strength of character and it also takes a certain commitment to aggressive lawyering that no matter how big the adversary is, even if it's the judge on your case, you have to be able to preserve the record like a mensch and a professional without burning bridges, but you have to bring you know an injustice to justice. Or for example, if a court rules against my client I have to be prepared to appeal that judge to a higher court, run the risk of perhaps uh, tarnishing my relationship with that judge. But if justice requires that I bring it to a higher court, I will.
2: Well, you know, the next book that I know that you have a lot of books in you. The next book you could write is the politics of law. And I you think I'll talk have to about leave how, the country if I write that book. You can be respected by the judges without losing,
3: their, you know, without having them hate you, right? Correct. You you do what you have to do, pursuant to the rules, but you never let it get personal. So that even if I'm opposing aggressively with opposing counsel, they will still have lunch with me afterwards. Because they'll know it's nothing personal, I'm doing my job aggressively on behalf of my client. Never let the fight get personal, ever.
2: Yeah. Well, I think that's in life, not only in law.
3: Great advice in life also.
2: I don't know. That's the ordained rabbi part in you, right?
3: So not only that, but it's also the common sense part, you know.
2: No, it's very, very true. Well, let's let's talk about Israel. And, you know, for my listeners, which are multicultural, they're all around the world, everybody might have different opinions about Israel. You know that better than anybody else. Um, I, I think you and I discussed when we had a pre-interview that um, we both thought that out of all of the media that covers Israel, Fox TV probably has probably has the argument right. I believe so. You know, and, you know, there's so many... You want to talk about politics and you talk about politics with judges. There's certainly politics when it comes to the media in Israel. You would agree with that, huh?
3: Absolutely. There is an agenda. There is a leftist agenda to tar and feather Israel as the modern equivalent of Nazi Germany, that we are the oppressors, that we are the evil that we are the uh, vicious harassers of innocent, innocent terrorists. And uh, as a result, Israel, if you read the L.A. Times, uh, Israel gets uh, pilfered and is uh, libeled and tarred and feathered as being the most oppressive country. If you look at the U.N. and you count how many U.N. resolutions are against Israel in the Security Council... While country after country after country violates human rights and not a word from the Security Council, if you were to look at the U.N., you would think that tiny little Israel is the Nazi Germany of our time. And that's just simply, not only is it outrageous, but it is completely false. Israel is the beacon of democracy. It is America's best friend. It has an army that goes out of its way to be humane. The Israeli Defense Forces uses a term called in Hebrew, Tahor HaNeshek, purity of arms. That we have to be better than anyone else. So when they go in on having to secure the borders of Israel, they send their army soldiers in door by door to protect innocent civilians. And as a result, there's, there's a cost of human life. Nevertheless, Israel will be portrayed in the media with reporters, with an agenda to be, to be evil. And there is such a negative media bias on CNN and in the LA Times and even in the New York Times that, you know, you get very, very frustrated if imagine you know the truth about something, and no matter how many times you read the paper, that truth never comes out. And there's such a spin put on it that you get frustrated. And then you go to Israel several times, and you see the realities that are there, and... You, you scratch your head wondering, how come it's so clear to anyone that goes to Israel, that anyone that lives in Israel, that anyone that sees the reality in Israel, how can Israel, which is a righteous country, be so maligned and defamed and slandered in the media? And how come the story doesn't come out right?
2: Well they, they need good public relations. I mean, you know what, Baruch, you are the person who wants to defend them in you know, in, in on the same kinds of terms and rules as a court of law would allow litigators like yourself to exactly. defend anyone. But, you know, there's you know, it seems that there's also a public relations issue. Well, we're gonna have to take a commercial break, Baruch, if you could just stand by, I wanna talk a little bit more about Israel. I wanna really get to the bottom of this interpretation of Israel that you say is um, putting them, that that sort of paints a picture of them as if they are Nazi Germany when we get to the next segment. And I want to hear, you know, some, some of the things that you hear that might allow you to make a statement like that. And I look forward to having you after this commercial break. Stand by. I am an American idol.
0: I got
4: synthetic. Dissolve. I kill my mama to get out. I got TV. It's great. News. Opinion. Can you hear me? Your voice counts. Call toll free. 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Women in business today face many challenges in advancing their careers and reaching their goals. There are corporate executives, entrepreneurs, and business owners that have made their mark in business. Now you can learn their secrets and tips. Listen to Women Mean Business as your host, Bonnie Marcus, explores how to thrive in the business environment, navigate the workplace, and climb the corporate ladder. Listen live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and effectively promote yourself today. successful life stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com
1: oh, my welcome back to stars of pr with cindy r if you have a question or comment call in at one 472 5788 now, back to the show, here's Cindy Rakowitz.
2: We're back, and I have a very interesting guest, Rabbi Baruch Hohn, an ord- well, he's an ordained rabbi, not a rabbi on a day-to-day basis, right, Baruch?
3: Correct. I mean, well, you're in my trade.
2: Ordained at that. We know that you're a killer litigator. That's what you like to do first, and now you're going to become a killer blogger. That's what so, I So mean. um, I think that you've made up your mind that if Israel is not getting a fair image um Both in a court of law and in the press you're gonna you're on this earth to fix that right correct yeah well, you're very articulate and you state your case very very well. I could see why judges like you even if you have to write opposition statements <laughs> <laughs> but um, I let's go back to the You know the ways that Israel is portrayed, and you mentioned whether it's the UN or many other countries in the world, aside from its friends like the U.S. and, you know, possibly the UK. I guess, Um, you know, where, where does this come from that people try to create a perception of Israel as if it's like Nazi Germany? You know, that gets to me because I told you that my my father is a survivor. Right. So, you know, you, you pulled my heartstrings, so I'm sure that's a statement that will get the attention of, of many people, particularly survivors and, you know, people here with Jewish heritage. So go ahead.
3: tell You me know, what I'm, you I'm think. always hesitant to point the anti-Semitic finger. You know, because before you do it, you better know your facts. And, you know, criticism of Israel is not the same as anti-Semitism.
2: No, no, it's not. And a lot of people really don't understand that. Maybe we should back up a little bit and, you know, let's talk about the difference between the state of Israel, okay, and, you know, the Jewish people in general. I think that's a really great, simple way to
3: start. Well, when one holds Israel out to a standard that no one else follows, or when Isla, uh, militant Islamic um, voices say, we have nothing against the Jews, we're just anti-Zionist, you know, I find that to be a very empty distinction. Because at the, at the bottom root, you know, why are they so outraged by an Israeli government the size of Israel is so insignificant we have no natural resources, you know, we, we have no, we're no, and yet we consume so much of the headlines of, of the media. So to, to start buying into that distinction, I think, buys into the, into the, the undercurrent of anti-Semitic intolerance that's out there.
2: Right, you don't, want to give, let's, you don't want to give too much press to the opposition, right? You Correct. don't want to give too much credibility to things that might not...
3: Correct, but let, you know, me, let, let me address, yeah. you know, the recent Gaza flotilla is a phenomenal textbook example of uh, an incident that got bad press. Israel, by the way, would do very well if it hired a Madison Avenue um, PR firm that every just like companies require PR when they have crises, Israel should have a full-time PR. While Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister, is an extraordinarily articulate individual, he's a he's only one man. And you know, when the Gaza flotilla occurred, and as you know, there was a blockade to prevent arms from being smuggled into Hamas-controlled Gaza.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And if humanitarian aid was to be brought in. There were legitimate entry points to bring it in. Nevertheless, there was a flotilla of boats that wanted to, quote-unquote, break the, uh, uh, the, the blockade to humiliate Israel. You tell me any country in the world where an unauthorized boat comes into our territorial waters, what we do to such boats. What did America do when Russia was coming into Cuba with missiles? We sent the entire navy down to to escort them out. When Israel tried to protect its borders, a blockade that, by the way, is being implemented by Egypt, nevertheless, we went on to the boats because one of the boats refused to allow us entry, us meaning the Israeli army. And when we found that there were armed terrorists on that boat who were attacking the Israeli soldiers with knives and guns and sticks, when Israel protected itself, Israel was pilloried in the media. There were protests all over, all over Los Angeles, all over the country. Free Palestine, free Palestine. And this is very recent. It's a month or two ago.
2: Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting. Let me tell you, from my point of view, and, you know, I'm more of a media analyst than anything else, it seemed odd to me, Baruch, because I thought... I thought that there was a sea change in the way that the media covered that event. Now, remember, I'm a media person, so I do read the New York Times. I listen to Fox. I, you know, I, I, I'm very, very open, and I hear all of the reports and the way different media outlets cover different things. And I was actually alarmed by the fact that this last incident was so anti-Israel. And, again, I'm, I believe in fairness in reporting just like you believe in fairness in sure. a court of law. Sure. I'm that much of an advocate. And I do see both sides to every story. You know, I, I'm, you know, I have my agendas, but I really watch for fair journalism, and I really watch to see whether all sides are getting fair coverage. And I really didn't think Israel was getting fair coverage in this last event.
3: And to add to it, to add to this, I was just outraged that Israel was being judged because it has no right to exist The militant Islamic left was saying that we have no right to protect our citizens from terrorism. We have no right to defend our borders from hostile enemies. And I said, where is this? How is this possible? And then there was the straw that broke the camel's back.
2: Well, I'll tell you something. I think, go ahead, tell them it's the straw.
3: There was a letter to the editor in the Los Angeles Daily Journal by a lawyer in Century City who wrote a piece of garbage letter to the editor where he condemns Israel for protecting its borders in the Gaza flotilla, ignored evidence, ignored the facts, and engaged in propaganda. And that letter to the editor is what spurred me to do this blog because I said to myself, my goodness gracious, if a lawyer who's committed to evidence, who's committed to truth and justice, who's committed to not misleading the court can write something so backwards that has no good faith basis to even raise these arguments. I said, something's really wrong. In other words, if a painter or a baker or a gardener should speak up against Israel, it doesn't bother me that much. It bothers me, but not that much. But when a trial attorney, when a lawyer who's committed to these values can engage in militant Islamic propaganda, that shakes me to my core, and it occurred to me. If ever there was a profession that should be outspoken in defense of Israel, it should be lawyers. And in essence, I created this blog through LinkedIn where I invite hundreds of trial attorneys from across the country and judges to, so to speak, associate in and create the largest law firm in the world, a cyber law firm, and our goal is to defend our client, the state of Israel. And the power of the Internet, you can be as loud as any media outlet there is via the Internet. And all it takes is that when you see a positive pro-Israel article, you post it, it automatically gets disseminated to every member on LinkedIn, which goes out to hundreds and hundreds of people, and then it goes disseminated further. And I should tell you, there's a judge in Los Angeles who told me, that prior to his joining this blog and reading the daily barrage of positive pro-Israel articles, his perception of Israel was very much based on the LA Times, and he thought Israel was a, an apartheid state. And he told me that now he has come around 180, he has seen the truth, and it's not like I'm engaged in propaganda. All I'm doing, I'm not writing, all I'm doing is I'm forwarding the articles of Charles Krautheimer, of, of George Will, of Fox you know, uh, reporters, etc., who get it, who understand that tiny Israel is being poorly treated in the media. And this really is making a tremendous impact on the way people perceive Israel. They see Israel in the light that it was meant to be seen. And again, as we mentioned earlier, this doesn't mean that Israel cannot be criticized. It can be criticized like anyone else. But it's got to be criticized fairly, on the same fair terms that everyone else is held to. And if Israel is being singled out on standards that no one else abides by, then that criticism is not fair, and it has shades of anti-Semitic tones to it.
2: Yeah, No, I think, I think that's pretty true. And again, it's, I, I think as an observer of the media, the, the, the sea change has been more obvious lately. I mean, maybe you've been watching it for many, many years, but to me... It just seems, the unfairness seems to have just taken place um, on a slow basis recently. And, I, you know, I think...
3: I... There are more, but you're right, Cindy, there are more blogs, there are more organizations that are now pro-Israel. APAC is getting more powerful. There are blogs like Stand By Us. There's HonestReporting.com there's a a surge of American Jewish interests to not allow Israel to be defamed anymore. We've had it. And we become the de facto PR firm for Israel. And And I challenge my colleagues and I say, you know, if this was a court of law where evidence controls, not propaganda, not unsubstantiated allegations, but evidence, where the rules of evidence control Israel would win the trial every time.
2: Listen, let's talk more about it in the next segment, if you can, Baruch. We have sure. to take another commercial break, and we want to hear more. Again, you're very articulate, very clear, um, very focused on this agenda and what you're going to do going forward in years to come. So I want our listeners to hear a little bit more. Stand by with Baruch Collins. We'll be back in just a sec.
0: Stop wasting time. Get what you want. Live your dream life. The Dream Big Revolution. Imagine having more freedom, better health, more money, happiness. Could your business be more successful? Unless you're living the life you want, you're wasting precious time. Your life is too valuable to waste. Let Leanne Hilgers help you find health, wealth, and happiness. Listen in and live your dream life. Join the Dream Big Revolution. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, on the 7th Wave Network.
4: Never be satisfied. Let that be a lesson you take away from Double Time with Double D, featuring businessman and former NFL star Dave Duerson. VoiceAmerica.com
1: Pop Icon Get free advice from crisis communications guru Cindy Rakowitz now. Call 866-472-5788 Let's get back to stars of PR. Here's the host and CEO of BR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz.
2: We're back, and we're talking about Israel, and we're lucky enough to have killer litigator Baruch Cohen on the phone talking about it with us and um, really wants to be Israel's top defender in an international court of law. And if you haven't listened to the first couple of segments, it's very interesting to hear um, how Baruch Cohen is starting a 3.0 dialogue to ensure that Israel is given... Um, proper image care in the press and that it's not unfairly tainted. So, welcome back and um, want to continue to talk to you. Who are Israel's friends today,
3: Baruch? Uh, Israel fr- the best friends of Israel is America. A okay, strong there's America. There's
2: got to be others. I mean, you know, we know that we're their best friends but, you know, let's, let's create, if there were allies, there's got to be a few others.
3: You know, it's hard for me to really say for sure because um, I believe that uh, the French Prime, uh, Prime Minister, Narkozy is a supporter of Israel. I believe that uh, Britain, the United Kingdom, are friends of Israel. I believe Canada is a very strong friend of Israel. Um, but there are some countries that are held kidnapped, held ransom, by militant Islamic factions, and therefore they are torn. For example, Turkey. Turkey is, has, does brisk business with Israel. Uh, Yet, uh, this uh, Gaza flotilla was funded by Turkish, uh, you know, Islamic factions. You take Armenia. Armenia has remarkable relationships with Israel. And, in fact, um, you know, if Israel needs to attack Iran, Armenia is a neighboring country which has granted Israel flyover rights in the event that Israel needs to attack to wipe out the nuclear um, powers of Iran. So there are countries... Uh, that are very pro-Israel and support, but sometimes can't speak out that loudly because of the fear of militant Islamic groups taking over and uh, running havoc with the country.
2: No, I I think that's very true. So they have to be quiet in fear of death.
3: But nevertheless, it has to speak out when the right time comes, when when Ahmadinejad... um,
2: He scares me.
3: um, He scares me, but he... Uh, with, my, with a right hand, he scares me, but the God that I pray to is stronger than Ahmadinejad. And ultimately, I believe in the, in the prophecies and the promises that King David said in Tehillim, I'll say it in Hebrew and I'll translate it, that God will never allow the Jewish people to be destroyed. It is a promise. And therefore, I believe in the God of Israel that will protect Israel Against the Ahmadinejad. He's a he's a he's a he's a loudmouth and I believe his day will come.
2: He's a smart ass too. And the me, you know, in today's you know, with today's media coverage, particularly with Fox who you know, really is not afraid to portray clowns as being clowns, et cetera, right? Right. Um, he just strikes me as, a, you know, a scary smartass. I mean, just,
3: you know. You know it's macho bravado. When we went in into uh, uh, Operation Desert Storm and we went into uh, Iraq to save Kuwait, you also heard that smartass attitude, oh, we're going to kill the Americans. And if you read the news this week, you'll see that Iran is preparing graves for the American military in the event that we attack you know, and it's laughed off. We know that mode of big talk, but we saw how quickly the Iraqi army collapsed when we went in. And you see how disorganized they really are. There's tremendous infighting going on in these countries. But they are masters of PR, and they know how to, you know, have press conferences. But, you know, they're not taken seriously because they don't have a, a fraction of the military power that America and Israel has. Um America has these gigantic battleships uh, in the Persian Gulf, fully armed with nuclear capability. Um, You've got to be sweating when you see that pointed your way. So he talks big. There is talk about, you know, what to do with Iran. It's a very complicated problem. Military options carry huge risks because of the possibility of backlash Uh, Political options are not that, you know, are are being attempted. And sanctions are being tried, but it's a very complicated issue. But I believe that uh, in the final final analysis, if there is a war, I fear for the safety of everybody. Ahmadinejad should be taken seriously. I agree with Benjamin Netanyahu that if someone says they want to kill you, you take him, you believe him, Mm -hmm. and not negate him as some, you know, crazy man. Because I believe he can, you know, he will try to deliver. And when you have when you have an element of um, Hamas and Hezbollah that's funded, at, and they are proxies for Iran, and suicide bombers are paid by Iran, you, know, you have a dangerous situation of sleeper agents as well. You know, well the of course, threat yeah. has to be taken seriously, and a stronger Israel is an ultimately in America's best interests, which is why the alliance true. between Israel and America should not be tarnished. There should be every effort to strengthen the alliance, which is why I sort of resent President Obama's mistreatment of Prime Minister Netanyahu at the White House uh, at the, not the last visit, but the one beforehand where we were given short shrift. So, you know, a strong Israel is in America's best interests because the only country that's really poising itself to take on Iran is Israel.
2: Let's talk about American Trial Attorneys in Defense of Israel and let's, how do you use a blog for marketing purposes and not only how does it generate business for you but what kind of feedback you're getting from people around the world.
3: Um, the rule of networking and marketing, you, you mentioned earlier that you and I are connected through LinkedIn. Yep. And I'm an enormous fan of LinkedIn. I'm on it a half hour every day, building my base and networking properly. And I was at a networking marketing event, and the speaker said something that really resonated in me about the ultimate form of marketing is when you're in your environment. So, for example, let's assume I'm an environmental lawyer. I would be a member of the Sierra Wild Club, you know, and that's my environment. And from that unique environment... You meet people with shared interests, and you know the conversation flows. Imagine there was a proctologist convention, so you know you and I could go there, but we don't necessarily have anything in common with these people, other than meeting. The idea is to create a forum where you have commonality. Um, trial attorneys are, for the most part, highly educated, and this idea of having trial attorneys in defense of Israel creates a common bond where I can go to Armenian attorneys, German, you know, German attorneys, Spanish attorneys, Irish attorneys. And if they're educated, they understand the importance of defending the underdog. So Israel becomes, I guess, the pretext to opening up the most meaningful, fascinating conversations of right versus wrong, of, of good versus evil, and the importance of using our skills to defend Israel. So when I created this blog in the interests of, you know, I had the right intentions to defend Israel. In the back of my mind, it occurred to me that this could be a fantastic marketing opportunity as well. Because this, hey, it got me an interview with your show. And it, it, it has given, landed me interviews in other um, radios and TV spots as well. And as a result, your name gets out there for the right reason. And I recently got clients who retain me because they heard my speaking publicly in defense of Israel, and they heard that conviction, and one client said, I want to tap that energy for me during closing argument so you could champion my cause. So, wow. There was an indi- I was r- happily surprised, and I didn't actively think about using the blog as a marketing device because my intentions are pure. I want to help Israel. But an indirect effect... Has been a surge in business because of the high-profile publicity that a fir- that a blog on such a magnificent topic, covering the most magnificent issues, you know, gets circulated. Um, I I've only had this blog for three weeks, and at last count, I've got 750 <laughs> participants.
2: Yeah, that's amazing, and your topics are really great too. Very creative. Middle East coexistence, you know, you talk about the mosque in New York, you want to talk about that one a little bit, whether it's a PR, whether it's all just a PR stunt?
3: You know, we suffered the greatest tragedy in America on 9-11 in 2001, when Saudi Arabian militant Islamics, uh, you know, rammed planes into the World Trade Center, killing 3,000 innocent Americans. And it it really was our Pearl Harbor. And the world has not really healed from that tragedy. When I hear that there's an Islamic mosque being proposed to be built n- near the 9-11 shrine, the 9-11 cemetery, it maddens me. It reminds me of the Carmelite monastery that various nuns wanted to put up on Auschwitz. And all they wanted to do was pray for the, for the memories of those that were perished. But nevertheless, Pope John Paul, in his wisdom, realized that once there was a fury and once Jewish sentiments of victimhood in Auschwitz were articulated to him, he did the right thing and pulled the monastery from Auschwitz. And that is something that our leaders should really take heed of. I think the mosque leaders are doing a tremendous disservice to their own cause. They want everyone to believe that this is an act of moderate Islamic supporters. It's not. And when you antagonize the American public like that, by spitting in their face, by building a mosque, which, by the way, Cindy, historically, whenever a mosque is put up, it's to uh, proclaim their liberty over the competing forces. Mosques are not like a street sign. It is a declaration that we have succeeded over others. To put a mosque at the site of 9-11 is the most insensitive, deeply hurtful things. And I think that Mayor Bloomberg is making a tremendous mistake in supporting it by calling it an act of religious liberty. It's not go open up your mosque in Queens, go open up in Brooklyn, go open up in Maine, go open it up in Texas. But to open it up on the site of 9-11 is a disgrace to the memories of those that were killed. And, you know, when I see these articles that point out the injustice of the mosque on 9-11, I post it. The response that I get, and again, I'm not writing these articles. All I'm doing is I'm taking X's article, and I'm posting it, and I'm giving it full attribution. But it's now going out to the universe of brilliant trial attorneys and judges.
2: Well, no, and, and I think that's great. Well, listen, we're going to have to finish up the show right now. I was called to do another interview, but I want to say that your blogspot is attorneysdefendingisrael.blogspot.com. Anything else that people should know, and how to read about you, and how to get in touch with you?
3: I think the best thing is to join LinkedIn. It costs nothing. I'm not a shareholder. I'm not promoting it. And connect with me, and that's how you can find American trial attorneys in defense of Israel, and that's the way to get your daily barrage of pro-Israel articles sent to you automatically.
2: Okay. Well, thank you so much for spending nearly an hour with us, Baruch. We wish you the best of luck, and I hope lots more people um, read your blog because of this show. So you have a great weekend. Thank you, and um, have a happy new year. And Happy New Year to you, too, and we will all continue to follow you. Best of luck, and thanks for joining us. Everybody take care. Have a safe weekend, um, and have fun, but always be careful.
1: listening to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Please come back next Thursday and every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern for more insider information on the world of public relations with Cindy Rakowitz on Stars of PR. See you next week. I am an
0: American idol. I got